0: You are listening to Zeal Fear House. I am your host, David Murray, and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. Our Her focus here is on our relationship with our Heavenly Dad and all aspects of His Kingdom, moving in greater intimacy with Him. Additional teachings, books, and articles may be found on my website at www.dwmurray.com. That's d w m u r r dot Again, thanks for joining us, and let's get rolling with this week's broadcast.
1: Well, good evening. This is David Murray. I'm joined with Dorothy Crothers. This is Blog Talk Radio. Deal uh, for your house. Dorothy, how are we doing, Sita? I'm doing well. David, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I, uh, I'm excited about uh, talking about relationships. And um, tonight uh, we're going to get into some things on, you and I have talked about on relationships, specifically with, with marriage. So we'll get rolling on that. And, uh, guys, one thing I want to um, just reiterate as we, get, as we talk about marriage, our title here, the very large title was, <laughs> Do Godly Marriages Actually Exist? And I would be curious if we took a, an anonymous poll on what someone's definition of a godly marriage is and compare that against the word of God. Um, and not for the sake of condemnation, but just for the sake of understanding what do we believe constitutes a godly Christ-centered uh, relationship. The context is going to be within the marriage bed, within the marriage unit. But the principles that I'm going to talk about apply to all aspects of all relationships. So for those of you that, that are not married but are dating um, or interested in a significant other or have had prior relationships, this will be kind of like a mirror, in what areas we could possibly make some adjustments and what areas that we've been modeling the image of God without even realizing it perhaps, and how to apply these things. And really they, they deal with all aspects. But as we started off this study the last several weeks on, Relationships we began with the loss and acquaintances we began talking about friendships types of friendships and now really uh, marriage and uh, so we're going to get into that we're going to try to keep this we're gonna try to keep this short and to the point and to make it digestible so a couple things we're going to talk about what hinders us from walking in purity what what are the major stumbling blocks that prevent us from walking in a godly marriage. And What does an actual godly marriage look like uh, in a time when the divorce rate, even within the body of Christ, is greater than 50%, uh, there is something that is wrong. Is There's something that's out of alignment with God's heart. There's an aspect of the body of Christ that are operating according to the principles of this world. And we can see that in the statistics of the divorce rate that takes place in the marriage covenant. uh, Really, is just uh, it's almost uh, one-to-one par with those that do not have the Holy Spirit. So we could say that's an indictment. I don't want to look at it that way. I want to look at it as that is just showing us there's some areas where we need to make some adjustments. And because the body of Christ because a marriage covenant between two believers has the Holy Spirit inside of each one of those people, the ability to make those changes, no matter how far removed we may be from the image of Christ, it's never too late. And again, these principles apply to any all types of relationships. But the more that we close, to, uh, close in on more intimate relationships in terms of our heart, in terms of commitment, the more that these things become, have greater impact in our lives and in the impact of the, the person we're um, engaged in that relationship to. So let's start off. Reflection of God's nature. Relationships we talked about, guys, are meant to reflect the nature of God. They're meant to make interactions over in which light. Love God's nature, unconditional acceptance flows freely. The marriage covenant, a relationship with two people that commit before the Lord that they're going to spend the rest of their lives become one flesh. Right? We're not getting into all the scriptures that talk about uh, marriage. We're gonna we're gonna assume there's a basic understanding, a basic uh, knowledge of the scriptures. Two shall become one flesh. Marriage is meant to be the greatest, most intimate reflection spiritually, relationally, emotionally, and physically meant to model aspects of the nature of God. Nothing that he created, nothing that he designed, falls outside of his nature, falls outside of his desire to reflect his nature, which is goodness, holiness, and love. So anytime we see a breakdown with that, we have to uh, examine where, where the short circuit is. Ephesians five twenty-five. Now we're not going to talk a lot about scriptures that talk about love. And the reason why is because we've all we've all quoted them to each other and got them clubbed over us. Yeah, so admiring no it. Problem is not that we do not know the scriptures when it comes to love and it comes to husbands and wives. And uh, that's not the issue. So we're gonna just touch base on Ephesians 5.25. We all know it. I'm going to get into the problem, what the hindrance is to actually fulfill it. 5.25 says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, right? We, we all know that verse. Here's the question, point number one. Point number two point, what hinders us and how do we correct it? Real simple, basic, back to basics of God's kingdom, as basic as it is, it will be profound and life changing if we apply it. The question is what hinders us from walking in the fullness of God's nature in our relationship, in our marriage? Why do we struggle with walking in social, relational, spiritual intimacy? Right. physical intimacy is the lowest form of that, meaning if we have spiritual, emotional, and relational intimacy, the natural, the, the earthly intimacy is the natural byproduct. We won't get off It's too much in that, but we try to invert it. We try to get things through the physical realm when it's not meant to take place that way. Everything flows down from the spirit realm, spirit, soul, body. If we're having a problem, we always trace it back to the spirit. And then see where the short circuit is taking place, where our soul is not receiving the spiritual input of God's nature, where we are cutting short the spirit flow of the Holy Spirit trying to move through our mind, flow, our emotion. So, what hinders us from walking in the fullness of God's nature and intention, love and intimacy in all forms? It's really simple. Here's what it is. Defilement. What stops us from moving in the fullest intimacy that we're meant to walk in spiritually, emotionally, relationally, within the marriage covenant, is defilement. The Greek definition of to defile, and the Hebrew for that matter, means to pollute, to stain, to make unclean. So defilement is to complete and to stain, to make one unclean It is the exact opposite of the holiness of God. To defile something means to make it an opposite nature of our creator. Simplest way to understand when we know we've defiled something, we have taken it, overlaid upon it, or treated it, in the exact opposite as the nature of God We have made an unholy thing or polluted That's the world So the simple question is How is it exactly That we defile a relationship Now Because we live in an Outward manifestation How do I say this Because we have the church has been trained Uh, wrongly to look at out the thing instead of of by and large us looking at the inward man first right our natural tendency when we talk about the final is talking about culture those are the obvious the real issue that's taking place stems not from the physical action it comes from the soul it comes from our belief system. Physical defilement means there already has been a defilement in our soul toward our marriage, toward our partner. The, the physical aspect is, the is the last one to take place. By the time we have defiled our marriage relationship physically, it's already been defiled spiritually, relationally, and emotionally. Because many, many, many Christians, they're married. There is defilement that's taking place spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. And we look at it, and we say, well, as long as we're not physically defiled, then we're okay. And that's simply not true. You have emotional, you have spiritual, and you have relational. How do we treat this in the opposite nature of God? How is it that we defile each other? Ourselves, our marriage. The answer, guys, goes back to what we talked about with everything, every subject that it goes back to. And most of you are going to know what the answer is, it goes back to our belief system. Anytime we choose to think about ourselves or about our spouse in a way that differs from what God has declared over that person. We defile that person and we defile the relationship. I'll say that again. <clears throat> Guys, any time we choose to think about either ourselves or our spouse in a way that differs than what the Word of God said about ourselves or our spouse, we have polluted the relationship. Remember Satan is the accuser of the brethren. When we declare something through our beliefs that are contrary to God's word, we have entered into agreement with the accuser of the brethren. And what that does is that opens up witchcraft into our marriage. So we'd like to like to we have a tendency to look at witchcraft as outward demonstration. But if we really were to study the Word, it means to exalt or enter into covenant outside of God's kingdom. That's the most basic, most easily understandable definition of witchcraft. It's to enter into spiritual activity or into in spiritual activity outside of the Holy Spirit. When we agree, declare, and thought for an action Something that Satan has said. We're entering into witchcraft and we defile pollute. Let's read the rest of Ephesians 5 26. <clears throat> the husband's loving wives, just as Christ put the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish. But holy and blameless. That's what Jesus did for the church. Now, Paul went on to say, proceeded saying, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he went on to say, Cleansing her by the washing of the water of the Word, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. As within that, those verses are powerful spiritual principles that are being shared. We are to love in the same nature as Jesus loved. That means without stain or wrinkle or blemish, blemish, and to present our spouses to each other as holy and blameless, washing each other with the water of the word. Paul's saying, he's saying we are to speak present specifically here, but the principle applies to wives as well. principle also applies to any type of relationship, but the fallout and the ramifications become more and more intense with the deeper the level of intimacy in any type of relationship, relationally, um, emotionally, spiritually, right? We are to follow the same principles. Because when we do that, we place ourselves under the center of God's kingdom and the center of God's nature and love. Whenever we step outside of that, we come under, we place ourselves under the defeated devil. He's under our feet. But when we begin to declare things that are in agreement with his lies, we empower him to move through us. That the scriptures say, speak life and not death, and the power of life and death is in the tongue. So, how do we correct this and release into our marriage the, the, the power of nature? How do we release into our marriage, into our relationships, life, godliness, purity, holiness? The answer is tied to the first part, what hinders us belief system. We change our belief system. What we need to do is stop agreeing with Satan's declaration. We need to come into alignment in our thinking. We all know the verses, right? We know what we're supposed to do. It's a matter of doing it. It's a matter of declaring over ourselves the way God sees ourselves and us. Here's a little question. It's not really a side note, but I'll I'll get a little bit deeper on this. Guys, if we're in a if we're in a relationship and we are continually viewing ourselves as unworthy, you ever meet someone like this? They're in a wonderful relationship and all they keep saying is, I don't deserve this person. I'm unworthy of this person. I don't deserve person. This, this person shouldn't treat me so well. Right? We take the same thought process of the way we think of ourselves toward God and apply to our relationships. And what we actually do is we begin to defile and include that relationship and we will begin to speak forth over that other person the very thing that we fear. And we actually release spiritual wickedness to buffet that person against us by our own declaration. It's called bitter root judgment. So i are not going to get into that too much in bitter roots. Um, maybe another time. The reason why I'm sharing that is because it's not just what we declare over our spouses, it's what we declare over ourselves. And absolutely either speaks life or defiles a relationship. Now, guys, we're having we're defiled is we are dealing with, we're being buffeted by demonic principalities. We're being buffeted by spiritual darkness. We, we change the atmosphere around us. See, Ephesians 4... Verse 2 and 3 says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Colossians 3, 14 says, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. To these two verses, what is being linked is unity of the spirit with love and peace. We cannot be in oneness with our spouse if we are not bound in peace and love. Now, we cannot be bound in peace and love when we are declaring things within and over our marriage that are contrary to what God says about us. Cannot be done. We cannot be double-minded. We open ourselves up to demonic influence to it couple of points. It all starts with our beliefs. Love is the nature of God. Love is what keeps and maintains unity. Unity is oneness with the nature and mind of Jesus Christ. Unity in the spirit as described in Ephesians 4, 2, and 3. And as Colossians three fourteen. unity means to be of the same nature and mind So if we are believing things about ourselves or our spouse that are contrary to Jesus' declaration, we are contending with the nature of mind of Christ. It is impossible to have unity in the marriage. All problems that stand from marriage come back down to love the system in one way, shape, or form. To not have love and unity with a belief system that does not agree with God. And it works like this, guys. Our beliefs cause us to see or perceive along a certain bent. That causes us to have emotions based upon what we choose to see. And then that, chooses, that dictates how we will relate to that spouse in either words or actions either come into the mind of Christ or the mind of Satan. Beliefs dictate what we see. Consider this, guys. Matthew six twenty-two says the eye, Jesus is saying, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? So, guys, We love to quote this in context with lust of the flesh. This is not the principle of what Jesus is trying to teach. A lust of the flesh freshen, it is one manifestation of a failure to walk in the principle. We'll say that again. The context of this is not about lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh is one evidence Of our eyes being filled with either light, light or darkness. The principle is about spiritual eyesight. The eye is the lamp of the body. It's spiritual eyesight. Consider this, guys. How many times in the Gospels did Jesus say, "Behold"? Do a study on that. Every time you read the word behold, and it'll be translated differently, sometimes it'll say see. That's what behold means. It means see. And the word see in the Greek, the word behold in the Greek, it's the same Greek word. It means to perceive. Whenever Jesus declared that, he would say behold or see. He's saying perceive, understand, spiritually discern what I'm about to say. Consider this, Consider the expression when, when someone asks you, "How do you see yourself?" Right? We're not. We recognize we're not asking how do you physically see yourself. We're asking how do you perceive yourself. Well, was, you know when you're talking about someone else, well, how do you see that person? Some of your thoughts. We're not asking them to describe the jeans they're wearing or what kind of shirt they're wearing. Right? We understand that. We say, "How do you see this person?" We're asking information on how you perceive what intangible qualities do you notice that you can put words to. That's Matthew 6.22. The lamp of the body is our spiritual eyesight. Luke 6.45 forces us. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings up the evil out of of his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The lamp of our body is what we perceive. We either perceive according to God's kingdom or we perceive according to Satan's kingdom. And what we perceive is what we store in our heart. See many of us say, well, you know, I just my husband or my wife, she just did this, or just that, drove me crazy. I wanted to say this, I just bit my tongue. No, guys, that doesn't work. Concession is a start, but it goes deeper. It's about what's stored up in our heart. What we store up inside of us goes back to our belief systems. Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anger, guys, is a fruit of an inner sowing that is manifested. Anger is fruit that was sown in our soul. It's a heart issue. Anger is a heart issue. The foothold that gives the devil a place to, to speak into and cause havoc in our lives is traced back to our hearts. Everything in scripture goes back to the attitude of the heart, which comes from our beliefs. Here's some examples, guys. Things that we say or that we think, well, if I just don't say them, it's good enough, which it's not. We must go back to our beliefs. My husband, husband never cleaned up. It's just so messy. My wife is always late. She's so in order. My husband is so judgmental. He's just harsh. She's just a callous guy. He doesn't consider my feelings. My wife says, well, show me respect. She's rude and selfish. And these are these are spiritual declarations. Right, the heart, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. These are declarations that were contrary to how Father God sees yourself and sees yourself. If we are speaking over something that God has said is not how we're to identify ourselves, we are partnering with Satan against the very one that, that introduced the greatest covenant and you has been given to mankind. You are actively engaged with the enemy against that person. So how do we turn this around with the application? Guys, it's, actually, it's, the cool news is that it's not difficult. Begin declaring over each other what God has deemed you are. Pray and confess over each other. Right? When, you, when you're with your spouse, or even, you know, my wife and I did this before we were married. We would speak over each other what God said was true about us that we did not see manifest in our own earthly walk. You know, if I wasn't organized in an area, my wife would speak over me. David is an organized man. He's a man of organization, he's a man who knows how kind of to delegate things. I would be that over myself, too. I began to stop saying, I'm just, um, just not organized. Just, I'm just not good with managing things. No, I'm agreeing with Satan about something. Because the scriptures say I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If it's not innate, yes, it's something that I can develop. Because I can do all things through the Holy Spirit that manifests in my life. Not by power or light, but by His Spirit. That principle is engaging everything in our life. So we began declaring over each other. There are times when, you know, in, in our marriage where um, my wife would see things about me that I knew I had trouble with. I knew I was walking on. And um, so we agreed that we would both declare over me what would be the kingdom fruit that we wanted and both believed and both desired. We came into agreement with God's kingdom for me. We came to agreement with what I wanted. Came to remind me that this is consistent with what the scripture saying, and we had scriptures to, to, to stand on. And then we confess that. And when, and when I, I didn't operate in that kingdom principle, but we didn't beat each other up, I didn't beat myself up, I began declaring Praise God, I am a man who does this, I am a man who thinks this, I am a man who can manage this. We begin to declare life. Power of life and death is in the tongue. And it stems from our beliefs. Not mental road of sin. Jesus addressed that. Jesus addressed the repetitious prayers mean nothing. It's our belief system. Having believed, we therefore speak. Right? And, that, and Mark another says, he says, whatever you ask for, believe when you pray. Right? Faith, belief must accompany confession. And read scriptures over each other. Read scriptures over your children. Begin declaring get into an attitude, a position of declaring the kingdom. Guys, you will be amazed at the miracles you actually will see, which is how we're supposed to live, because we speak forth the kingdom. Everything we do has faith. If I declare over my spouse that they are an unorganized person, I am declaring I have the belief, the conviction, the faith that they're organ. I am partnering with spiritual principalities and releasing spiritual declarations that have a forward faith. I have a belief. I have a conviction. And the more I meditate on that conviction, the stronger it will get. It's either rooted in love and unity or it's rooted in hatred and anger and resentment, jealousy, insecurity. Everything we do. Everything we declare is rooted in the belief. If God says we can make the righteousness of Christ, then we are holy and blameless. Colossians one twenty one, two Corinthians 521, Hebrews ten ten, Ephesians one six. I, I, I spit these out probably almost every week because they're the backbone of our walk with God. We're sanctified, we're accepted, we're holy, we're blameless, we're righteous. We need to declare that not over ourselves. We need to get outside of ourselves and declare that over our spouses. And again, these principles apply for every relationship. We need to speak the kingdom. We bring the kingdom into every part of our relationship. It releases life. Galatians 6.8 tells us this. We sow to flesh, we'll reap death. We sow to life, will reap eternal life in whatever area we are sowing to. So, I you know, well, Let me just share something with you because right, Paul, Paul said, Scripture said it. You know, he, he was going to have to address people, the church, members of the church, members of the body of Christ that thought, and even though we're not of this world, we still live by the elements of principle of this world. Paul, Paul said, I have to address, come and address so many people that think that we still live according to the principles of the world. And guess what? We do not. Paul said, and. The Lord is setting his house in order once again it's in this generation. Right? It's a good thing to setting his house in order. His beliefs need to become our beliefs. Start with ourselves, and then it starts with the relationships that are around us. We govern how much of our relationship we're going to bring life into. Now, some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, well, but my spouse doesn't do X, Y, and Z. There is no provision in the scripture to speak death over someone. In fact, the scripture out and out page. the opposite. Bless those who despitefully for you. That that's your spouse, you have to speak life into that situation. Right? Now, the blessing, if we're not married, is that we get to see are we truly even guilty? Is there a potential here? Is the bottom line, is this person love the Lord? Is this person hungry? Do they want to grow as a, as a couple together? Are your eyes together fixed upon the cross? Is Jesus the author and finisher of your faith? Is He the center of your heart and affection in that relationship? There's the time to, to look at that is before you've made that path. So, for those that aren't married, that's a guiding light, that's a north star consider what we want out of life, and then go get it. And for those of us that are married, we're all a mess. We've all got things that we are brought into our marriages that be undone. We speak life. We stay steadfast until the kingdom breaks through. And guys, I've seen it happen again and again and again and again.
0: The miracle
1: of this kingdom. So summing I mean, this up, what hinders us from walking the image of God in our marriage defilement, it. it's to pollute. We pollute it to what we believe in our heart and ultimately in the end our confession.
0: And if we don't
1: confess and we keep it in, the bitter roots in our heart releases the same defilement over ourselves and over our spouses. So how do we correct it? Shake our belief system and reapply two Corinthians 10.5. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We pull down every principality and stronghold, and we make it captive to what Jesus has declared over us. And uh, that will bring forth life, guys. That will bring miracles in any relationship. That will bring life within our own hearts. It will bring healing in the midst of pain. There are many of you that have been, have been wrong. and then you're thinking that I have been wronged and I have been legitimately wrong. Guys, forgiveness does not mean what took place was okay. Forgiving someone does not mean that the offense is excused. It does not mean that what took place was all right. For those of you that need to forgive, Forgiveness heals our own part.
0: There's an
1: older the uh, old expression for even myself. I think I'm not a person. I think i sixty points. And it says, He who seeks revenge must first be achieved greatness. Because unforgiveness kills the life of our that Start with Forgiveness. Will heal your own and then it brings light and light and forms the other person in our marriage to God because it begins to blessing. It begins to turn that atmosphere around you and that person that's surrounded by God's kingdom. And it is always God's kingdom, their revelation of experience, and being bathed in the reality of love that causes one to turn to the and change it. It is interfacing with God's love that causes us to change. So, hinders us as the We correct it in our belief system and the application, guys, declarations and prayers. Pray over each other. Pray over each other. And if that's uncomfortable for some of you, <laughs> get over it. <laughs> push past it. You know, have a heart to heart with yourselves. Have a heart to heart with your significant other. Hey, here's something I'd like to do. Be open for this. Let's do this. Let's get on this journey together. Let's get into peace and union and love as the kingdom rips open. There's nothing that can't stop uh, a man and woman that are on the same page moving in alignment with the kingdom. Nothing to stop it. So, anyway, 37 minutes. Uh that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Uh, Dorothy, before we get off, anything that you wanted to share? Well, just on a personal note, I have found being married a great way to learn forgiveness. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. you have to learn how to do it or things get messy. <laughs> Yes, and, and you know what? Along those lines of you have something I wanted to say earlier on that dropped off my radar. Guys, the reason when people say the really the world says and the church adopted marriage is hard, it's hard when we don't move by the mind of Christ. That's what makes it difficult. Because most marriages we're taught how to cope with each other's junk rather than partnering together to begin to change our belief system, and together walk in the mind of Christ and the beliefs of Christ over ourselves and others. And Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That extends to every, every aspect of our walk, and at the top of it, intimacy in our relationships. The reason why marriage is so much work is because we're working out the belief system that needs to be repented of. As we've done that, guys, as we've learned to walk in the identity in Christ that his righteousness and our self-worth does not come from others or come from even our spouse, but it comes from God's never-changing love, things get easier and easier and easier. And yes, Dorothy, marriage will teach you how to forgive. If we're over and so forth, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Mike can tell you all about that. She uh, <laughs> has been very patient we <laughs> Well, that's going to be it. We're going to wrap it up tonight um, on that. And as always, guys, uh, any feedback or questions are welcome, on the YouTubes that Dorothy posts now, we've opened up the comments section because I welcome feedback. Uh, uh, the a positive or negative. Uh, praise God. Keep faithful. We don't have to agree on everything, but we do have to love each other. <laughs> so feedback's always welcome. I love you guys. And by uh, Christ, be blessed in all things. Know you are loved. Apply it to your relationships. Apply it to your marriages. You'll see miracles take place. So, Dorothy, thank you. God bless, and I'll catch up with you uh, very shortly. Bye. Okay. Father bless, David. Thank you, Dorothy. Just under forty minutes.
0: This has been Zeal Fear House. I'm David Murray and I'm joined with Dorothy Carruthers. We were hope that you were blessed by this week's broadcast. Again, if this was your first time, please stop by my website at www.dwmurray.com That's d-w-m-u-r-r-y dot for additional teachings and insights. God bless you and until next time, please dare to accept the fact that your Heavenly Dad loves you deeply.